It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey, all in the game. All that information was just given to you, as was the name of the network, City Talk 105.9. But to kick on very, very quickly about something else that was just said, uh, every time Colo Torre opens his mouth to talk about Liverpool, he reminds everybody that he thinks Liverpool will win the league. And he was doing this from the first game of the season. Only I have been saying Liverpool will win the league this season for longer than Colo Torre. That's what everything comes down to as far as Colo is concerned. Going to have a good cup run? Yes, because it will help us win the league. You're going to do this well? Yes, it will help us win the league. Simon Mignolet saves a penalty? Yes, it will help us win the league. Uh, Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey Part 1 we're going to talk about the FA Cup Part 2 we'll talk about the Christmas programme Because we haven't been here for the best part of four and a half years uh, That Liverpool and Everton have uh, had um, And Part 3 We'll do more of that sort of stuff We might even discuss Moyes Cam This is all in the game which is as exciting as Moyes Cam Uh, Dave Downey how much would you pay For 24 hour access to Moyes Cam? Quite a lot of money. I pay. I pay. There's a there's a big premium on that, isn't it? I, I would pay a lot of money for that. I would like, no matter what I'm watching on television, whether it's live television, whether it's Netflix, whatever it is, for there constantly to be a box in the bottom left hand corner of the screen demonstrating to me what David Moyes is doing. You know how much I love the wrestling, and I always look and I think, fourteen ninety five for one of those pay per views where you sort of know what's going to happen. I'd be I'd be willing to shed that sort of cash for Moyes. Oh, at least fourteen ninety five. I reckon right now I'll I'll put it out there. I'll pay fifty quid a month. I'll pay fifty quid a month to have access to. <laughs> to an image of David Moyes going about his business or at a football match whenever I see fit I'll have 50, I'll pay 50 quid a month to watch David Moyes watching other teams play football yeah. and seeing the results go against him and running it, up the touchline I'll running, that one. yeah running up the touchline um, I thought PT Sport were relentless with Moyes Cam it's a great innovation yeah. and long may it continue but they even have his voice on it now as well don't have you noticed they've mic'd him up on the touchline got, which is a dangerous ploy for any manager yeah but they've actually gone that far they've gone there they've worked hard uh, they're the BT Sport, tough on Moyes, tough on the courses of Moyes. Um, OK, we're going to have to talk about Liverpool and Everton in the FA Cup. I mean, it's, in a sense... Do, I'll ask you I'll ask you about Everton first and foremost, Dave. Did you learn anything? Uh, not really, other than the fact that it, it could have been one of those damn scripts, I mean, which we sort of seen at Anfield. Yeah. Uh, it could have easily turned into that, but Everton were relentless on Saturday. I was very impressed with how we handled that side. Uh, it, it very, it's so easy for it to become a bogged down game. Middle of January on the come down from the Christmas period, you've played so many games in the league. You've got fringe players coming in. Do you think? It, do you think it's suit? It's suit. Do you think there's something to be said about playing a side that's got? from the division of below who've got a lot to play for do you know what I mean having them at home when they've got a lot to play for they're having a look at it and in the odd sense people don't like this sentence I mean this is it winds people up but for QPR it is almost a bit of a distraction let's be honest QPR are yeah. in the FA Cup they're looking at a game a game at Goldison they must be thinking you know, let's. Uh, there's th- we've got other things to, pr- to prioritise oh, at the moment. You, you could tell that straight from the off as well. They weren't there. They weren't bothered. Um, I was looking at oh, yeah, Asuakoto. What a fall from grace he has. Uh, thought he was really good at Spurs and in his pomp at Spurs. And now, just shadow with the play. They were they were literally chasing shadows. QPR. And you look at it, you're not surprised because it's like a team from like Championship Manager 2005. Yeah. If you had, if you had that in your fantasy football team in 2005, you'd be delighted. Yeah. But there were just so many has beens, and uh, I got the feeling Harry Redknapp. Couldn't wait to get back on the train back down to London. That's the big. Uh, that, I'd say that was the big deal for, for, for the, the whole game. It, it's it's odd the FA Cup, and I think that you know you, you look at the subs for instance that weren't used. You know Richard Dunn's on the bench, and I is on the bench. Ben Ayoum's on the bench. Ben Ayoum is on the bench. The, 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 these are players who, who are getting occasional games for, yeah. um, for for QPR in the in the division below. But I think the whole thing it's odd when people talk about the FA Cup and they they want to say well the FA Cup's not what it was and all this sort of stuff. 
Firstly, they're often referring to a very different time. But secondly, it's not Everton who would devalue in the FA Cup. It's not Liverpool. Even if they do make four or five changes, they're still putting strong 11s out that one to win. It's when you're looking at people like QPR who genuinely have to say, one, we will not win the FA Cup. Two, the benefits of the cup run financially are outweighed by the huge dangling carrot of what automatic promotion means to us. So therefore, you know, what are you expecting? Well, the big thing for me was the West Ham uh, Notts Forest game. I listened to Billy Davis afterwards and he was really hit the nail on the head about the FA Cup. He was saying, we're probably not going to win the FA Cup, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with gaining momentum from a victory in it. Uh, They're pushing for the playoffs themselves in the championship, maybe an outside chance of going up automatically. And they're using it as a catalyst for their league form. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And he made a few changes, whereas here's Sam Allardyce afterwards saying that he had to put out 11 kids, which also included Stuart Downing and uh, and Jarvis and a couple of others. Uh, he brought them off quite swiftly when he knew they weren't going to win the game. And he comes out afterwards saying, well, look... They've got the League Cup, though, haven't they? I mean, this is the thing. Yeah. They've got the League Cup, and uh, God, you know, God forbid you've got to be nice about Allardyce. But... <laughs> You know, my my attitude there is they've already had the distraction of all those other games. The nineteenth yeah. in the league, and I understand that. You know, it's it's yeah. Well, no, it's not terrible to see children cry. It's great to see children cry as the outcome of a football match, and I think that that's not being said enough. Um, the fact that that little uh, sobber has found himself into the West Ham director's box is hugely yeah. disappointing. Someone needs to let him know that every single time he cries at a football match, and I've cried at a football match, Dave. Yeah. I was drunk at the time, and I've cried at the football match, and no one after after Mark Faduka scored four for Leeds against Liverpool no one pulled me to one side and said lads you can watch the next home game in the director's box yeah. what happened was a man stood me up in the side of, uh, of, of Ellen Rhodes and gave me a right dressing down about this is not the way in which Liverpoolians act and I tried to <laughs> explain to him exactly how much alcohol was still in my blood from the day before and, and this is still you know lest we forget this is still you know a joy of life it's a pleasure well, he's still gone to a football match with his dad or whoever and he's seen and he's being taught that I'm gone <laughs> It's okay to it's okay to firstly it's okay to cry, son. Secondly, you will be rewarded for crying. I dread to see what's on that lad's Christmas list. Exactly, he's gone from learning one of cru- life's crucial lessons, which is insert name of football team here is not the greatest team the world has ever seen. Yeah. They are a long way away from it, and indeed, long <clears> with that continue. Um, I think the key thing is about these games. You know, certainly if you're at home, it's the opportunity from from the, the perspective of Liverpool and Everton. And this is a big issue. And I thought it was very, it was very clear for Liverpool against Oldham Athletic. But you fringe players when you haven't got a League Cup distraction, when you haven't got a European distraction. It is, it becomes difficult for them to get on. Your squads do become 14, 15 man. But suddenly now, Jelovic has got ninety minutes. Mm. He's got two goals. You know, he now can feel more settled. He may still move on in this window, but he can feel more settled now. He's now, you know, it's if Everton do come to call on him, he's had experience with those players, and that's important. It is, it's vital, and, and again, it's a massive credit to Martinez as well. The fact that Jelovic has come on, performed so well, and scored two really good goals, uh, and you know. We, we talk about man management skills and, you know, you, you probably look, if he, he was left out in the cold with most of the managers, then you probably wouldn't get that sort of performance out of him. But as we mentioned earlier in the season, Martin is the type of manager who'll go up and tell players why they're not in the squad. And clearly he still has, has, has a value uh, for Jelovic because he said he, if it wasn't a World Cup year, he wouldn't dream of moving him on. Um, it, it's interesting for players like that. And what really annoys me is you look at the performances from some of Liverpool's players and the first thing the fans automatically point to is, oh, hang on, 
anyone. How come these lads aren't taking their chance? I still think it's extremely difficult. If you haven't been playing any football, for you to step up against a, a team that clearly fancy it, clearly want to make a name for themselves, a team that, you know, have got a history of, of, of trying to, you know, be so-called giant killers. You know, they're going to be in your faces. These are 11 lads who are competitive footballers. They're going to come. They're going to try and make a name for themselves. You know, you, you've got the likes of, of Aspas who's going to come on, not have much football, had an injury. It's extremely difficult, and I, and I don't think... I think it's far too simplistic and far too naive to say, hang on, these lads aren't good enough, or these lads aren't trying. You know, they should be putting a lot more in. You look at Raheem Sterling, who embraced the game. You know, it, it, I, I think it's very difficult for, for others to come in. I think it, I think it's it's it, that's a much underrated fact that it's tough to just come from nowhere yeah. and start playing. Um, Torre and Aga, uh, with what they had to deal with, seemed to struggle a little bit. Uh, Aga actually looked to, to struggle a little bit more than Torre from what I've seen back. Um, you know, Kelly was clearly struggling with the pace of the game, and Kelly's a prime example. I keep saying it of a footballer who probably, for his own good, needs to think about moving on because he's 23 now and he's never had a, he's never had a consistent yeah. run of games uh, anywhere. Um, and it's 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 so difficult to get your fitness up and get your awareness up. I'm sure under those circumstances, um, you, you know, Sissoko is even being a bit of a bit part player. Alberto, it is an odd situation for him to be dropped in. And then you know you've you've got Aspas. The key the key issue though, I think, from a Liverpool perspective, is a lot of Liverpool's summer business or half of Liverpool's summer business. If you take out Sarko, you take out Mignolet, um Half of Liverpool's summer business looks just a little bit odd. Um, you can you can in part take out Torre, I'd say, because Torre's doing the job <coughs> that he was there to do, which is to be a fourth choice centre back. The issue isn't any one of these things in particular, apart from maybe one, but it's the collective of them. So Aspas doesn't look quite what you want in the in the, in the lad who's going to be first first reserve for, for Suarez and and, and Sturridge. Um, Alberto looks like the like a young prospect who's and then you begin to say well when does he get his time on the pitch Elori doesn't even get off the bench in this game and Liverpool paid 7-8 million quid for him he can be a great prospect but he was starting games at Sporting Lisbon not huge numbers but he, you know, he's got 21st team appearances under his belt at, at, at a level you know, an impressive level in Portugal and he's not getting games and that's those three came to about a combined £21 million and it's not that any one of them is necessarily letting the side down. It's just that collectively you're scratching your head and going, in the context of everything that we're seeing and what we're seeing on the pitch in this game, you know, when do they next get the next game? Um, you'd be reluctant to maybe pitch them in at Bournemouth because that's the, the side that Liverpool are likely to face. But then the other side of that is we're coming up towards the derby there, so Liverpool will need to make changes. And I think it's hard, and I think that's the hard part of this is that, and it, you know, don't get me wrong, it's also hard to do the recruitments when you know that your manager prefers to play one up. So, you're saying to whoever comes in as number three, well, you might not have that many games. Um, when you know exactly the sort of footballers that he wants, when you know he wants a smaller squad, that when you know that you haven't got European football, it's all tough. And But the issue is that it all, it, with three of them, those three not really firing as you'd like him, you know, any of them really quite breaking through as you'd want, and then the fourth being Moses, then you've got this problem because Moses has took it as our games this season and I actually think when he first came in you know he scores at Swansea and then we go from there you know he, he in that first little run he did do okay but he ended up playing in a position behind a front two uh, when it didn't suit him so he played there against Newcastle at Sunderland away and that's Alberto's game He's took Alberto's game off, and Alberto's mm-hmm. our player, and he didn't accept. He did okay, but he was not necessarily the right man for the fit for the fit tactically yeah. either. He did okay, but. 
that's took Alberto's game off him. And now you're looking at Moses, and he comes on, or he he, he does 45 minutes as he as he did the weekend. And I'm I'm I hate the shout I'm about to make. Um, towards, I think that it's, it's used too lightly towards footballers, but he doesn't look interested, mm. and that's a big, big problem. As I say, I hate it. I, I hate the implication that footballers don't look interested. I use it about once a decade. You know, I I felt Stuart Downing looked interested. He just didn't look good enough. You know, there's there's, there's a massive difference between what looks interested and what looks good enough. Whether you're fit enough, you know, so often that pl- players who are, are carrying an injury or don't look as like they've got the stamina that you want when people say he doesn't look interested. Mm. But Moses doesn't look interested. If there was an excuse for that, and, um, you know, I find myself funny, in, being in a funny position sort of trying to make one for players like that, but, you know, you look at Aspas, <clears throat> Moses, you know, Iago Aspas, for instance, you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, hang on, yeah, I've got a big money move to a massive Premier League club. Delighted, first of all, aren't you? You're thinking, well, hang on, you know, world's me oyster, this is as good as it gets. Then you're thinking, hang on, I've got a take the crown off Luis Suarez. Yeah. Now, I can understand where, you know, you, you get these players, you get these characters in life, I suppose, who, you know, relentlessly fight for anything. They, they will not stop until they achieve the goal. There's a point with certain players like Suarez, and I imagine, obviously, it's the same with the other world's greatest, like Messi and Ronaldo, where you're sitting there thinking, hang on, I can simply not displace this lad, no matter what I do. Well, that, I mean, that's fine. For, 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 from Aspas's point of view, I haven't seen Aspas not have a go. Not mm. genuinely look to be like he was um, first half against Hull. We're going to talk about these other games more more shortly, but first half against Hull, you know, he was he, he, he lovely little layoff for Henderson. Henderson should have yeah, scored. I thought it was quality, that, yeah. yeah. And uh, but then you know, and there was this moment where he harried someone and he had, he pressed and he pressed them back and they they sliced it out of play and Liverpool won the throw and then Liverpool took the throw and it dropped to Aspas and he played it back to the fellow who took the throw on the half volley. Except for he didn't. He kicked it three <laughs> yards away from it. It went out for their throw and that was you know that was it in a nutshell. It's clever positional play. And then when there's the actual spherical thing to deal with, you're yeah. a bit like, Jesus, this could be going anywhere. And this isn't to, you know... But he's clearly engaged with the challenge that's in front of him and he knows he's not Luis Suarez and he knows it's going to be difficult for him and, and, and God bless him and also Coutinho. Luis Suarez is a hard, hard footballer to play with and I think that the two of them, when they've had the time on the pitch with him, are struggling a little bit because, you know, you try and play up front alongside Suarez. Well, he's doing your job and he's doing that fella's yeah. job over and there. he's doing and it better than you. And he's doing it, yeah. yeah, whilst doing his own job and yeah. he's doing it all far better than you could. But... Moses, it looks to me like, well, he's got his big money move. That's the one he's got at Chelsea. And that's what I think we saw. You know, at the weekends, he's got 45 minutes. He's been hauled off. He's got his big money move. That's the one he's got at Chelsea. He's now at Liverpool. He doesn't feel as though he's got a great deal to play for because he knows he's not coming full-time because mm. it's quite clear he's not got the manager's respect. He's not no longer on audition. It's been decided he's not being a Liverpool player next yeah. summer. So that, that, that carrot's gone for him. So now he's having to turn up and he is just, he looks to be completely going through the motions. Now, he could be carrying a knock, there could be other issues going on, but without that information coming out, now Liverpool supporters, you know, are well within the rights to say of the footballer, he doesn't look interested. And I don't think you are within your rights to say that of Aspas. You can say, I don't think he's yeah. good enough, but I don't think you can say he doesn't look interested. Alberto, I don't think you can say it of Alberto. I don't think you can say they don't look, but Alberto might have a problem in that he looks slow. Mm. But... If you're slow, you're slow. You can't you can't change the fact that you're slow. Yeah. Whereas you can change the fact that you look switched on. Because it isn't just Moses isn't running around enough. It's that Moses doesn't look switched on. Aspas against uh, Alden was pulling, was creating space for a smart wide forward who cares yeah. to come in, exploit that space and go from there. And Moses was just sort of standing there going, "I want the ball to my feet." Hmm. 
and it, it's when you reach in contrast to that with Sissoko, who was slowly who was putting in six out six out of ten games, and he looks you know he looks engaged with what's going on around him, and you know he's he's obviously not the best left back in the world. He's probably not the best left back in Liverpool's squad, but. He's at least having a go and he's a player that's on loan. And it's it's this very odd thing that appears to have happened here, which is that Moses, it's just not for him. And therefore, by it not being for him, the games he's had earlier in the season, he's took that away from Alberto, is he's that, took it away from Aspas. Is that not an indictment of the loan system, though, as well, also? that um, I mean, that comes into it, doesn't it? Because you look at Moses, if he's not playing for a transfer, if he's been told, doors shut, you're going back to Chelsea in the summer. Where's where's his motivation coming from then? Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's a key part of it. that. Does that does sort of you know indict it? And how do you how do you get rid of him now? Whereas Lukaku is playing to impress exactly. at Everton. Exactly. Barry, you know, is, Barry's a serious professional. The other thing I'd say is you know it does call into account slightly. And again, you don't like to do this, and I really don't like to do this because I think it's cheap. And I, you know, when I say I'm saying this about Moses, I can't think of another player like, for instance, Christian Poulsen when he comes to to Anfield. I don't think I ever saw Christian Poulsen not try. He was just shattered. Yeah. And I thought that you got that impression from his teammates who often when he'd make a mistake, they weren't giving him down the banks as, as Henderson was to Moses at the weekend. They were they were almost like going, it's all right, Christian. Yeah. You know what I mean? We know that you know what you should be trying to do. So I'm not, you know, it's not to, to indict a player's professionalism, to say he doesn't look interested, I think it's a, it's a major, major thing to say. I, yeah. I wouldn't got me where to say it, but now Liverpool in a position where they've got this player. And what are they going to do with him? Mm. They're paying some money somewhere for him. Yeah. They're trying to. You know, the managers try to keep him involved more than more than he has Alberto, more than he has Aspas. You know, he's given he's given Moses time on the pitch that those players haven't had, yeah. and that then becomes a problem because Alberto, with time on the pitch, now might be looking a slightly better player. Aspas, if he'd have got some of the time that Moses has got on the pitch, might be looking a slightly better player. Yeah. So what you've done now is you've created a situation wherein. Of the, what the transfer committee's done over the summer, well, it's brought in Aspas and Alberto and Elori, and you can scratch your head a little bit, um, but it's also brought in Moses. So that player has got in the way of these other three, and that's problematic, and that's what happened at the weekend. And that's, you know, that, that's your takeaway thing from the FA Cup. It's a great opportunity to rest people. It's a great opportunity to look at people, but there's a savage reality, which is if that if you look at them and then you go, no, that's not for him. Then all of a sudden, you've got the rest of the season to deal with with players who you don't want to particularly yeah. see play for Liverpool. This is all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. After the break, we'll be talking about uh, what happened to Everton. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. Hi. City Talk 105.9, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Uh, that was boss, wasn't it? Um, what are we going to crack on with here? We're going to talk about Everton's Christmas form because me and Dave haven't had the chance to talk much. Um, I mean, you wanted, your minimum was eight points. Yeah. Then you went to ten. Yeah, went to ten seven. on the back of the Swansea win. On the back yeah. of the Swansea win and now you got seven. Um I mean, it's easy to say this because, again, the fellow's a professional footballer who's far better at his job than you or I could ever conceive of being. Um, it must be very frustrating, though, from a managerial point of view. Against Sunderland, just let him score. Oh, well, just let him score. I, I've seen a lot of people talking afterwards, particularly on Twitter, saying it's one of those decisions that the FA have to sort out in the future where you know, you're being punished effectively twice for, for one mistake. But yeah, I mean, you see him come through and it's obvious he's rounding the keeper. I think it's obvious as soon as Osman gives the ball away, that's what the lad's going to do. 
Oh, I just need to walk the other way or just stay, stay on his feet. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the rule's the rule and the goalkeeper knows the rule. Yeah. Before, but before you get into a discussion of the rule, and I completely understand that people want to have a discussion about the rule because, you know, it is an odd one. I mean, it, for me, the, the the answer is it almost is just is just give a goal. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? If, you, if the referee can just give a goal, mm. but then, what you know, would you see goalkeepers try a chance of the other arm? You know, let's not worry about that too much. Yeah, well, the point is, he knows what the rule is and Everton would have scored three past that Sunderland side Absolutely. had they had 11 men I have no doubt about that I mean they, they should have anyway uh, you know Minone has the, the best game of his life against us and um, it was it was energy sapping to be honest with you and, and and that made me really worry about that Southampton game I was worried anyway because I thought that would be the difficulty out of the four mm. um, and we sort of won they, they, they did play really well Southampton and it was just one of those victories that you know, you, you sort of you, you end up underrating it because of the simplicity of it in the end, a simple two-one win in the end, and you sort of think, well, yeah, that's a, that's a decent win, but it, it's bigger than that. And um, you know, we, then you go to Stoke on New Year's Day, Morales hits the bar, it's the post. We should be two, three nil up at half time, and it finishes one all, and that's sort of been on the cards for a while, Neil. Uh, I, I've said in many games this season, we need to play like grown-ups in the final third. Morales takes up some fantastic positions and I'm talking you know he, he, he gets the byline or he'll be on the corner of the penalty area and the lad just simply is terrible decision maker Yeah, and I don't know where a lot of people have said to me I've, I've spoken to them over the, over the Christmas period saying that he's a striker that's why he's being asked to think when He's come from Olympiacos, had a one and two record there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people are saying he's being played out of position. That's not his game. Uh, yeah, okay, to an extent, but that doesn't really wash with me. And because last season he was finding himself in those. I mean, look at the derby, the, the uh, derby last year, the two all. Yeah. At Goodison, he was phenomenal in that first half. Found some fantastic crosses. The lad can play across. There's no problem with that. Uh, you look at Lukaku as well. Looked a bit jaded, I think. Well, funnily enough, Mick Fifty Seven just tweeted us now saying, uh, "Dave, would you give Lukaku a rest and play Yelovic against Norwich?" Uh, I wouldn't know because he's had his rest against uh, with Jelovic coming in against QPR at the weekend. I always remember that on this when you know he's a, he's around the same age and he's similarly, similarly physically so impressive. I always remember um, and people used to malign him for it. Ferguson would give Ronaldo two three weeks off around Christmas. Yeah, he'd, get, he'd, he'd send the lad back to Portugal. You know, and people used to say, oh, yeah, you know, keeping him in cotton wool and all that. And well, yeah, I mean, it's a valid you know it's a valid yeah. thing to do. If, if you know, if, if there is an argument there, I can see what Mick's saying. There is an argument there to to, <coughs> to end up with effectively. <coughs> Given him from final whistle on the first of January until the eighteenth yeah. of January to, to to clear his head to 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 feel as though he rests up. There is there is an argument for it, given the fact that you know Yelovich has just scored a brace. Well, like we were saying, we were saying during the break when we these games become wars of attrition. Uh, even even the ones that you'd say are probably more fancy ties, like Southampton Home say, they become bogged down, they become physical, and yeah. you know you can see every reason why Ferguson would rest Ronaldo because he he, even, he he in turn becomes ineffective when you for instance going to Stoke and they're putting every man behind the ball and booting you and, and you know kicking you for six and uh, I think Ped who does the blue room with us called the Morks um, a bit harsh but you no, know that's the way they do the business yeah. and that's what you know that's what we're, we're, <coughs> we're going there this weekend um, we're going there this weekend and it's that's what you've, you've got to you've got to expect this this is what will happen they, yeah. will, they will be Orcs yeah and, and the, 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 the decent thing for me picking up those seven points could have easily been a lot less given that you know you can your shoulders can go down as soon as you lose a game like that Sunderland one where you've pummeled the team despite having 10 men got absolutely nothing out of it 
and played Southampton the following week. I thought they took a lot of courage those those couple of days. Gone to Stoke again, chips are down. They got a point out of it. Shown a lot of resilience there. You probably would commend in a Moyes side for Everton last season. Mm. You'd see a lot of that fighting spirit. That sort of Moyes, Moyes had really relished those fixtures, I think. Moyes had relished going 1-0 down against Sunderland. Uh, we didn't know that under Martinez, but obviously he, he's, he has that same sort of character within his side as well. So, I mean, we, we've come out of it with seven points. I still think it's probably three points down on what we needed uh, to maintain top four push. You've got to go and find them somewhere else now. Um, I mean, you've got Norwich, then we've got West Brom away on the Monday night and then it's the Derby so we're still in the hunt it's just that gap we we spoken about before the last time we were on air seems to be above Everton and Liverpool now rather than in the middle of them or below them yeah that's that you know that's that's broken through a little bit there I thought that um, I saw the last uh, half an hour of Everton Sunderland and I was impressed with Everton I was mildly <laughs> impressed with Sunderland as well I mean I thought that they showed genuine character and resilience yeah. not just the goalkeeper um, I, you know I'm surprised more was it looked to me for instance the the one that was headed off the line looked in he looked behind the line I mean he almost certainly couldn't have been in because and Barini as well if you notice well, a couple of thorns in Everton's side over Christmas Barini and Asaidi I, I, I thought I, I knew it was Barini but I'd forgotten but I obviously knew about Asaidi yeah. You know, but it looked. It must have been not over the line because if not, how does he get it up and over the bar? Yeah. But you know, it's 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 a great block. The, the save from the free kick, it's a great save. Mm. You know, these but they showed real resilience. But what I liked about Everton was the fact that they just kept playing football, and that was the most impressive thing. And even little things like you know, you can see that football's drilled into this side. When the keeper went up for the corner, and then um, he had to get back. When he got back, because Everton picked the ball up, he went left back. Yeah. You know, and that's something which genuinely, <laughs> you know, what's the instinct of every goalkeeper ever? Get back in my yeah. goal. Let's just get back in my goal now because that was that was weird and I need to be back here and yet you know to me that said a lot about that side he went straight away because there was someone in the deepest who wasn't threatened he went to an area of the pitch where he could offer for a pass well going back to the Osman thing uh, the sending off I actually expected that to happen a hell of a lot more mm. uh, with Distan actually being culpable to single him out uh, because he's not a footballer he's not, he's not a ball playing centre half in the slightest and he receives that ball all the time from in, in, in either full back area or with his back towards the play uh, and I actually expected it to happen a lot under Martinez I think it's happened twice or no uh, against Chelsea when Barry makes that last ditch tackle against Etta yep. it happens there as well I thought we would have been caught out a lot so you know you, you sort of you, you pick your battles I suppose when you're trying to transform a side into one that passes out from the back um, and Leon Osman as well I mean it's just it's, an, it's unfortunate that it's him because obviously the first thing he does wrong everyone gets on his back as an Evertonian for whatever reason that may be but you know he, he, he's still the man taking the ball he, he's, he's the man you want to do that well, the, 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 the key thing about this is what I thought was, was good is that certainly I didn't see it or hear it particularly was there wasn't if that had happened in the first six games, Martinez had been called for everything. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you've seen so many positives from what he's done. You know, I thought it was good that you felt to me like there was a, a real... A, as mature a response as you can expect from football supporters I'm not saying Evertonians I'm saying the same thing if it was Liverpoolians you know what I mean I'm mm. saying if it was a mature response from football supporters they sort of looked at it and went yeah there was, there was some annoyance but collectively it was well if we're going to try and do this then very occasionally certainly in the early going yeah. these things will happen yeah you've definitely got to be prepared for that and especially when you've got players like I mean Tim Howard's a seasoned professional all he's ever done all his life is take goal kicks and hoof it up as far as he can yeah. you know there's, there's never been a question of distribution there's never been you know, you need to fizz one into your left back there. Same for Sylvan Distan. He's been probably been told, you know, as soon as there's a goal kick, you march your centre half close up to the halfway line and push on from there. He's never been told drop in, split with you and Jaggy Elk and one of you to receive the ball and you've got to look for feet. Yes. He's probably never been told.
hold that in his life. So fair play to them, they've adapted to that, and obviously those mistakes are going to come along with it. So like you're right, I think it's it's nice to see that sort of maturity from fans. I think it's also good to see um, the other the other aspect of this as well was you know at Stoke Everton didn't give up, they went right the way to the whistle. Yeah. You know it's it's a daft, it's the it's a, such a daft penalty. He tries his best to give it. I mean you know it, it's he, he, he's, he tries to do it the first time, doesn't foul him somehow, and then kills himself to foul him again. It's ridiculous stuff from uh, from Penance. But that said, I thought there was a real sense of inevitability about the equaliser. You know Everton were banging on the door and banging on the door, and they wouldn't let themselves give up. And it's one thing to do that at home when you've gone down to ten and you're reacting against adversity, and you're against the sides who, by the way, let's remember, are bottom of the league, and who are inviting you onto them, even mm. though they've got the extra man. But it's another thing entirely to go to another team's ground and do that and still be the side that are banging on the door, banging on the door right up to that final whistle. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic resilience, it is. And, and it, but you're still left scratching your head and banging it against the wall because, you know, even in that second half there, we're, we're, like you say, we're battering and we're battering and battering. As soon as Everton scored the penalty, Leighton Baines is like, hang on, I'm not celebrating this, I want the ball back in the yeah. halfway and we're going to go and win this. says a lot about the attitude, but it also says a lot about, you know, just some chances away there's so many simple times and Lukaku is your, is your issue not the final ball but the ball before the final ball is that what you're saying where they're having to get it wrong they're getting it wrong you know it's not even the miss it's either the ball that leads to the miss or the ball that's before that is that where there's, there's an yeah, issue for that, Everton that, 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 that's exactly it yeah that's hit the nail on the head because we'll still create a chance but it won't be as good enough a ch- as good a chance as you can see when the play's building up you can see Lukaku getting in a fantastic position you can see Morales getting to the byline looking to cu- pull it back he'll pull it back but it'll go to the player that's behind the one you want it to go to mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it's that sort of thing that really really does your head in and uh, Lukaku I mean, I, I pulled him up a, a little bit a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, you can see sometimes why he may have been loaned out. Mm. And a lot of people took that as a massive criticism from me towards him. It wasn't. I was simply saying he's been loaned out to to do that, to essentially get those out of his system in order to become a top-class to do it somewhere striker. Else. Yeah. He, he, Chelsea have said, hang on, go out, make those mistakes, you know, uh, sort your first touch out. But do all that while you're at Everton, come back to us and be the finished product. That's what I was saying. Not so much, I'm going to, he needs to be better at this. I was saying it's inevitability this is going to happen. Okay, then this is City Talk 105.9. It's Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. After the break, we're going to chat about the gap that Dave thinks is opening up ahead of Liverpool and Everton. I don't think it is. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, Liverpool's Christmas form as well. Don't go anywhere. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game, City Talk 105.9. We didn't do the uh, show last week, which is probably for the best, because it would have led to me ranting and raving about context. Um, I thought that, you know, I'd, I constantly say I don't like to talk about referees. Um, there was issues around things in the Manchester City game, uh, wherein the officiating was dreadful, but ultimately I don't believe it affected the result in any direct manner. Uh, there was the, the the Sterling goal that's not given, but that's not given by the linesman. You know, it's it's not the referee, mm. uh, whereas I thought the referee was terrible throughout the football match. Uh, and, I, and I think he's a bad referee, full stop. Looks Mason. like a baby as well. Looks like a baby. There's a wide variety of things. I think he's a bad referee, full mm. stop. But, you know, it's bad referees are bad referees, so then you go from there. Um, I thought that the... I 
I said it on the podcast and I still believe that um, for the Chelsea game after having beaten Cardiff and lost to City played excellently at City I thought that the first thing to say about the Chelsea game is that first half Chelsea were magnificent uh, they were absolutely magnificent first time this season as well oh. probably you could say in, in, in full honesty they were, I thought they were exceptional yeah. um, and I thought that they'd really worked out you know Liverpool for a variety of reasons not least the injuries that were beginning to pile up by that point were like we're going to go into the game relatively unchanged they were going to do what they'd done in other ways and I thought that first half Chelsea were able to cut Liverpool um, apart in the areas where theoretically Liverpool's strengths so they got in the wide areas they were they were doubling up tripling up on uh, on the full backs and the wide forwards uh, isolating them from, from from any sort of obvious passes and waiting for them to to give it away cheaply and then rebuild from there and I thought I thought Chelsea were brilliant both in and out of possession it's an excellent performance but the thing that one of the things that worked for Chelsea was Liverpool, you know, Chelsea were able to make five changes, six if you count moving Lewis from centre-half into centre-mid, uh, where it's a different energy level mm. required. Um, off the back of a pretty tame 1-0 at home to Swansea, Liverpool went toe-to-toe um, with, you know, with one of the best sides in the country in their own grounds, a side who's won 10 out of 10 at home now. Um, and then... Uh, had to go to Stamford Bridge and made I think it was only one change and I think that was forced if I remember rightly so you know it's it's a slightly different you know the, the, the more fortunate from a squad point of view but the other thing which I think was it's the sort of thing that people don't like to hear said but I am convinced the Chelsea dressing room was told early doors to be as physical as possible with Henderson and Allen and specifically with Henderson um, I think that that's it's an atrocious tackle from Eto, uh, the one on Henderson in the yeah. first minute of the football match. P- leaving aside his idiocy for what should have been a penalty, the referee clearly sees it, doesn't even see fit to book the lad uh, because of context. Because you don't ruin it. If you're, it's the it's the it's the big Christmas period, four o'clock kickoff on Sky, and if you're Howard Webb and someone does something like that after after ninety seconds. You know, he ignored someone getting kicked, stood first in the chest in the World Cup final after 14 mm. minutes. If you're Howard Webb, you referee context. You don't referee incident, and if you referee incident, the lad's got to be sent off. It's a definition of bottling it, isn't it? That, that, that's that's essentially what it is, and it, it's horrible that football is that now this in this country, isn't it? It's it's, uh, well, it's it's shocking when you think you know. I I. I I despise the Sky Gen. You know, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I've got Sky myself, but you know, I, I despise the Sky Sports sort of generation. I mean, I was talking about it totally off the subject. I was talking about it with the darts to sort of like you get Sky Sports fans now. I think, mm. and it's tailor made for them. Yeah. Uh, no, not you. Your hardcore football fan who have been going to game twenty odd years, thirty odd years. You know where they've got a tradition of going to football matches, um, and you can see referees are tailored to that. They way think they're part of the product. Yeah, they think they're part they of the show, and they're not. The, you're just there to officiate. Yeah. Uh, uh, the thing, the thing that gets me Neil is when we talk about you know referees. Okay, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> instances are going to crop up every single week. <laughs> What's he playing there? <laughs> Yeah, typical, yeah. Um, yeah, with, with referees, we see the n- names cropping up every week. Yeah, that, that's going to happen when big decisions, you know, go the wrong way or there's contentious decisions. The fact that we know the names and the fact that when... It's it's news when you get a referee for the game. So, like, you know, you, you see it tweeted halfway through the week. Howard Webb was referee in Liverpool against Man United this weekend. Yeah. You sort of start making predictions on the back of that. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. You know, when you look at any other sport, any other walk of life, you think, hang on, nobody knows the referee's name, and that's the way it should be. They feel as though they're part of the show, I yeah. think, and I think that they feel as though they've got a, they've got a duty to an audience. And I think that that's my big issue with the you know with the with the web decision with, with reference to Eto is he's 
deliberately not seen something. You know, he's very he's tried not to see the studs down the you know down the shin to the extent that he cu- he couldn't book him because mm. if he books him, then he's saying that's so far out of order it's a red card yeah. you know he, he can't show a yellow because if he does that then he, he, he belies a, the fact it's ironic isn't it he's making it, his integrity becomes even more in doubt if he only gives him a yellow exactly because he's got well how can you have seen that as a yellow card tackle and not yeah. as a red so he doesn't give anything um, and it's you know Liverpool score from the free kick but as I say and this is where the Chelsea manager after the fact Mourinho I think it, it was an odd uh, well, it was like the Queen's speech first and foremost. He was he was chatting on Sky for about fifteen minutes. But the, the the part of it which 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 didn't get to me, like because it's words from football managers' mouths, and I think we're all mature enough now to mostly ignore them. But is that he actually distracted from his own team's performance and from his own tactical performance in the way in which he was able to cut Liverpool apart by turning it into a, a debate over Suarez or over the referee or anything like that? Mm. You know, he was it, it was ludicrous. The thing that should have been talked about wasn't um, wasn't Suarez going down under contact, which is perfectly reasonable. It should have been uh, how good David Luiz was, how good Willian was. Yeah. Why were we talking about things Mourinho said and not talking about how good his players were and also how brilliantly he set them up to counter a Liverpool side who'd battered Tottenham, who'd gone toe-to-toe with Manchester City. You know, why weren't we talking about that? And I think that that's, you know, that's hugely problematic, I think, because... You're taking football away from the footballers. You're taking football away from its essence, which is, you know, uh, a group of 18 goes up against another group of 18 coached by these individuals and they do their, the best job that they can. And I'd rather talk about that than yeah. the Mourinho desire to set an agenda based upon his his notion that as soon as the final whistle ends in one game, it starts in the next. And he's not challenged. Well, you, you can see it's destroyed by the fact that the, the great irony of it all is it's get, it gets put to Rodgers um, because of what's happened to the Etihad a couple of days earlier Rogers says how Webb I thought he had a decent game uh, you know, it, because it, he's got to play. The, he's got to play a game as well. Exactly, it's a total farce. It is. It is, and it's a shame. Yeah. And, and I don't think you know. It doesn't need to be had as really as, as a discussion in in that sense. I just say it's just a little bit sad. You don't need to distract from the football, you know. And it's it, it, false it, advertising, effectively, isn't it? Because you, you know that it's tailored to something. There's a there's an agenda before you've even kicked the ball. Yeah, and that's what you're trying to do all the way through. And I, as I say, I think that that's and I think it's almost a little bit counterproductive. I mean, in the last two games, now he's had two of his players booked for diving. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and he set himself up for that particular fall, whereas he should have been Jose Mourinho one-two-one. Saw the game up brilliantly and all that sort of stuff. So, but then Liverpool got to Hull. Walking wounded, got the 2-0 um, that they hadn't had for donkeys, but also did so in a manner that was impressive in almost how unimpressive it was. Mm. You know, they limped through, but they got there and they got the they got the six points from the from the four games, which was the bare minimum. Um, and much like yourself, I feel as though Liverpool were probably owed a point and a half from the City game. They were probably owed half a point from the Chelsea game. It does feel slightly like it's two points shy, mm. but I think that's a strength and depth issue. Uh, but as we were talking about earlier on, strength and depth, you also need to be able to get, give the game, the players regular games. Um, Liverpool's manager, I don't think, covered himself in glory with the Brad Smith substitution. Uh, I thought that was a shame and it's no Noticeable the lad hasn't wasn't on the bench against Hull and doesn't wasn't on the wasn't in the 18. Never mind the starting 11 for yeah. the uh, for the for the FA Cup game. And I think that's a shame. It would have been nice to have seen him get another run yeah. after that because it was well, clearly he's tough be for shattered him. at the moment. That lad isn't he? <laughs> he is. So it's difficult for him. Um, and now we but now we go forward and I do think that the next two games you've said there's a gap opening up ahead of. Um, ahead of Liverpool and Everton I think that both Liverpool and Everton need to take six points for the next two games I think it's uh, Everton's is Norwich and then who's the away? West Brom away West Brom away Liverpool have got um, Stoke away and Villa at home I think if both Liverpool and Everton can take the six points then because other sides are playing each other around them they'll, 
they don't just profit from those six. You profit from the other they points that will be dropped, yeah. and gaps ahead will be dropped. Points ahead will be dropped. Or the worst case scenario is suddenly it's a top five with a gap behind them. And I think that that's the key here. I think it's these two games for Liverpool and Everton. Even though they're mundane, and even though there's a Merseyside derby on the way, and even though they're both in the fourth round of an FA Cup, that suddenly looks a bit winnable. Looks like both sides should be getting to the fifth round. I think that these two games that are coming next are the ones that define Liverpool and Everton season. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, um, everything that's gone before you can sort of draw a line under it now, can't you? Because you've got them two games, you've got the derby on the horizon. That FA Cup draw was the worst FA Cup draw I've ever seen in my life, by the way, yesterday. Oh, it's dismal. There's not, a, there's not a televised game amongst it. I think Chelsea Chelsea Stoke is potentially the okay. side of the round. I think it'll end up being, uh, because I think they'll go through it, it'll end up being Bournemouth-Liverpool, unfortunately. I think yeah. that's the one where you're most likely to get a bit of um, a bit of frish on of, of giant killing. They'll make, yeah. it, they'll make it a half-five kick-off on the Saturday. They'll have to do that because the derby's on a Tuesday. Yeah. So both of those games will have to be is played it on Tuesday? Saturday. Tuesday? Yeah, it's, no, it's Tuesday. The is derby's it? a Tuesday. That's a shame as well, isn't it, by the way? Yeah, but, well, I think it'll be an interesting night atmosphere yeah. but you know it's so I think that you know Liverpool have one eye on that so they'll, that'll be the, the half five kickoff I think mm. and that's got the frisson but it's these two now because if the if Liverpool and Everton do win both those games then they go into they go into the derby with both of them still having a sniff of the championship yeah oh yeah absolutely I mean that, that's the other thing isn't it I mean yeah alright they've dropped a few points between them over the Christmas period but you know you look seven off top that's not a lot to close when you think everybody's still going to play each other so it's it's still all, all up for grabs in one sense, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's very much up for grabs. I think it's it's a it's a tough period, but it's one which you know I think that if if uh, it's interesting, you know, the Lukaku conversation there a second ago from Mick on the Twitter and. It can be done, I think, for Everton. I think, but they've just got to be canny and do things at the right time. I think it's a bit more of a balancing act for them than it is for Liverpool. But if they can, this is the time now to to pull it out the bag. The, the one thing before we go though. Transfer window. How much is that playing to for both of them? Well, I think that, that. Well, I'd like to see Liverpool be giving people debuts or uh, getting close to it for the for the Bournemouth game. Um, I think I think Liverpool only need to add two. I think that the, the what the cup game actually shows is Liverpool only need to add two. I think Everton, if you add two as yeah. well and you get quality, yeah. Yeah. you're in a stronger place. Yeah, the Yelovich thing's a funny one for me because it, I can't see us letting him go and getting someone who's better than him. So you know, why not just keep him? Again, I mean, it's probably the one criticism I've got of Martinez is why hasn't he been played enough? Because you know, he's, he's still a goal scorer, he's still a striker. Indeed, that has been the theme of all in the game this week. Don't go anywhere. See you next week. It's all in the game on City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine.